This is a shear on Likuti Sichais Chelek Chaf Aleph, book 21, Sicha of Purim Tetzaveh. Every Shabbos has a connection not just to the previous days of the week, as the name of Shabbos is, Yom Hashvi, it's the seventh day. But it also has a connection to the coming days. As the Zoya says, All the six days are blessed from the seventh day. In other words, from Shabbos, all the coming days of the week become blessed. So in this Shabbos, the connection with the days of the week that are upcoming is more expressed and more highlighted through the reading of the Torah. What do we read? We read a special parsha together with Tetzavim. The parsha of Zohar, remember what Amalek did. Why do we read the, the parsha of Zohar this week of Tetzavim? Because it's the Shabbos that comes before Purim. And we know that we need to remember the deeds of Amalek before we retell the story of Purim. Even on Purim day itself, there's a very short reading of the Torah, and it's the reading of Ayove Amalek from the book of Shemois, the portion of Shalach, and in general about reading the portion of Zohar. <coughs> before Purim, the Gemara says <coughs> that this is like the remembrance that comes before the doing. You see, in the Megillah it says that on these days, these days are remembered and reenacted and, and, and done. So the doing <coughs> are the mitzvahs of Purim. And the remembering <coughs> <coughs> The remembering is the story we tell. Um, one part of that being the story of Amalek, of Yor. So in other words, this Shabbos is connected to Purim because we're reading a reading of, Am- of the wiping out of Amalek, which is an introduction to the story of Purim that's coming up. This connection between the Shabbos to the days com- upcoming of the week, and even more so to the days of Purim, is in this year... It's even with more intensity than in the reading of Pasha Zohar of other years. Why? Because this year, the Shabbos of Tetzaveh is on the 11th of the month of Adar. And we know that from the 11th of the month of Adar, we begin the times that the Mishnah says, you're allowed to start reading the Megillah, as the Mishnah says, in the first opening chapter of the Meseches, the tractate of Megillah, that Megillah nikras biyud alef biyud beis biyud gimul biyal dalut esvav. The Megillah is read on the eleventh, the twelfth, the thirteenth, the fourteenth, the fifteenth. And the Mishnah teaches us that kfarim makdimim villages read earlier on the day of ingathering, the market day, either Monday or Thursday, and the earliest way that could be is on the eleventh of Adar. Let's do the. Uh, let's figure this out. If Purim falls out on a Sunday, so Sunday is the fourteenth. Let's go backwards. Fourteenth is Sunday. Shabbos is fifth. Is thirteenth. Uh, Friday is twelfth. The Thursday is the closest market day to the Sunday Purim. So the Thursday will be when the villagers who are coming in will read the Megillah. Thursday is the eleventh. So that's the earliest time, because if if Purim was on Wednesday. So if Wednesday was the 14th, then Tuesday is the 13th, then Monday, when the villagers would make Purim, is the 12th. So the earliest, the furthest Purim from a market day is Sunday to the prior Thursday. 
So that comes out that the Megillah's earliest date to be read is on the 11th. And the fact that the 11th is a day that's appropriate to read the Megillah. So it's not just that we don't do this practically today. This was a halacha that only applies. When the years were as they should be, in terms of B'nai Yisrael, things were as they should be. And the B'nai Yisrael, the Jewish people were all living on the Holy Land of Israel. Then we had this halacha that the people of the villages can bring forward the reading of the Megillah to a village day, to a market day, either Monday or Thursday. So now it's not relevant, Lechera, the 11th. The 11th is not a day we can read the Megillah. Nonetheless, even in our times, the Shulchan Aruch says, that somebody who's going out to the sea or is going in the desert and he has to be part of a caravan for safety, he can't just go on himself. And they're leaving in a way that he's not going to be there in a city with a Megillah for Purim, and he doesn't have his own Megillah, so he can start reading the Megillah if he's able to, from the 11th or 12th or 13th of Adar, in other words, closest to the day that he's leaving and be without a Megillah. So the 11th is already eligible, even today where you can't do with the Bracha, but it still does have validity. And even though, one second, if you're talking about Bidi Avad, if you don't have any Megillah, what are you going to do? We know that really the whole month is kosher for reading the Megillah. So what's special about the 11th? In other words, in the Mishnah, we talked about a reality where on the 11th or 12th or 13th, when it's being brought earlier to the market day, the villagers who are reading the Megillah at that time would say it with a bracha. Shulchan Aruch says, now, no, when the Jews are not living fully in Israel, that law will not apply. However, if you're going to a place where there won't be any Megillah, you can start reading from the 11th on without a bracha. But the Rebbe says here now, so in this way, the Rebbe said that the 11th of the, the month of Adar, when it falls out on Shabbos, the 11th is very connected to Purim. So this Shabbos is more connected to Purim than regular Shabbos is. However, then the Rebbe adds that really the Ramah says that in, if you really don't have a Megillah, for the entire month, the Torah says, that the entire month was transformed, says the Megillah. So really, you can read it the entire month. And the Ramah says, such is the custom, without a bracha. So, if so, it would seem that there's no difference between the 11th, reading on the 11th, 12th, or 13th, where you read without a bracha, or reading on the entire month where you read without a bracha. So, there is a difference, however. Because when you read the Megillah from the beginning of the month, um, so, um, one second. So, that says there's still a big difference, and the 11th, 12th, and 13th, even though you can't make a bracha, is still more connected in a time of Shasat Chak when there's no other choice, it is still is more connected. The 11th, from the 11th onwards, is more connected. And more than that, um, even when we go back to Talmudic times when the Bnei Sol were on the land, and we said that the Mishnah times where the Megillah could be read on the 11th because the villagers can come early and read on their market day, it's actually just a permission given. The, the Gemara explains the Chacham gave them permission to come earlier on a market day because they provide provisions for the city. So they allowed, you know, don't require them to come back a second time, especially for Megillah. They said, when you're coming here for the market day, we are, they brought closer the time of reading the Megillah. So, but the whole, but one second, the whole month, the, our, our issue is here, the Rebbe is ascertaining and establishing that the 11th is more connected to reading the Megillah, but in our times, we don't say that with a bracha. Anyway, and the whole month, you could do it without a bracha. So why is the 11th have more connection to reading the Megillah than the entire month? 
it would seem that they're both situations that we read without a bracha, and then they're both when you have no choice. What makes the 11th more appropriate? And even though you say, well, the 11th, starting from the 11th onwards, there used to be a time when it was read with a bracha. But that also was an allowance made for those that weren't able to, you know, the villagers that, was, that were coming in. That's also not the time. So the 11th doesn't seem to be intrinsically a time more connected with the Megillah than the entire month. It's just that the Chachamim stretched, uh, made a stretch on behalf of the villagers that they can make a bracha starting from the 11th because they're coming into the market. We don't want to bother them to come at us another time. But it doesn't. The Rebbe is going to explain... Nonetheless, the Rebbe says, there is a deeper connection between the 11th, 12th, and 13th to the days of Purim more than the entire month. Even though today, you won't see a practical difference because you can read the Megillah without a bracha. You're not going to have any other choice from the 11th, but actually from the whole month. But there is an intrinsic difference, as will be explained. Base. So we'll understand it by first understanding, let's not try to understand the language of the Mishnah where it says the Megillah is read on the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. Since the Megillah reading on the 11th, 12th, and 13th is only a leniency and an enactment, a provision that the rabbis made in certain times to certain people, so why does the Mishnah start on by making this declaration that the times of the reading of the Megillah is from the 11th? It's not. That's, 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 a, uh, that's a, an additional allowance, a leeway. Why doesn't it start... Megillah Nikra, the time of reading the Megillah is the 14th and 15th of Adar, which till today is the case. That's the primary time of reading. In Yerushalayim it's on the 15th, and outside Yerushalayim it's on the 14th. Now even though that you could say, well, it's just going in order of days of the month, starting from the 11th and ongoing, right? 11th, 12th, and going up till the 15th. However, the Mishnah is coming to explain the laws of fulfillment of the mitzvah of Megillah. So why doesn't he first say the basis of the mitzvah, which is 14th, and then go and extend the times when it can be read earlier? Especially that when, especially Asot, Kikonzain, Seder, Ayomim, really the order of the days could have been said only in a way later to earlier. Could have said the Megillah is read on the 15th, 14th, 13th, 12th, once. It could have been a sequence. In other words, it doesn't have to start. Megillah is read on the 14th, the 15th. Or 11th, 12th. That would be without taking it out of sequence. But the sequence could have been kept, but just the reverse sequence. And that's actually the way that Mishnah goes and extrapolates and explains this halacha when he says, um, um, when he says the Megillah is read on those days, then he starts to specify in the walled cities, the Megillah is read on the 15th. In the unwalled cities, in the big, in unwalled villages, the big cities, it's read on the 14th. And then the Mishnah adds that there are some circumstances when it's brought forward to the market day. So you see, it goes, starts 15th, it goes backwards. Why doesn't he just do that in the beginning of the Mishnah? Also, we have to understand, as Mepharshim asks, why does it say here the expression, Megillah, Nikas, the Megillah is read, and not, as it says in many places, one can read the Megillah on this and this day's, it makes a declaration about the Megillah rather than the person. The Megillah is read on these and these days. Instead of saying what you would have assumed he would say, a person may read the Megillah on this and these days. Gimel, say we can explain the Yeshlema, we can explain the explanation. By explaining the order starting from 11th, so the Mishnah is coming to 
illustrate and emphasize that even though the reason why you can read the Megillah on the 11th, 12th, and 13th is because the rabbis, the Chachamim, hey, Kelo, Alakfarim, they were more lenient on the villagers, Lies Makdim, Imlia to bring it forward to a market in order to allow them at the same time to provide water and food to their brothers in the cities. Or, that's, in other words, that's really for the benefit of the people in the cities, because the, the villagers will come in and bring stuff. Or, more than that, the Gemara says, actually, it's not in order they should bring provisions, it's because they bring provisions. In other words, we're giving them a reward, we're giving them some kind of benefit, because you are providing us with provisions. Bacham said, we're going to make you an early reading where you don't have to come back to the city to hear the Megillah. In other words, what the Chachamim said, that is that they establish variant alternate times for reading the Megillah. In the square brackets, it says in another signa, in another style of explanation, we can say like this. The fact that the Megillah is read on the 11th, even though the reason for that is a provision made for the individuals that are coming in from the villagers. But through this, what becomes is, is in the actual cheftza, in the actual object of the reading of the Megillah, now becomes adjusted to have an alternate time. So in other words, Gavra means, do we look at the person and say, well, this person, because he's doing something, because these villagers are doing something good, they're bringing, supplying supplies to the cities, we're going to give them an alternate time. Or do we say, because we're looking at them coming into the village, therefore we're going to change, or we're going to extend and appoint alternate times for Megillah reading. Now the time of reading the Megillah has been broadened. In other words, the reading of the Megillah then is not just that the people of the villages are going to be doing the mitzvah reading the Megillah, which is incumbent upon them, but also that the Megillah reading is going to be fulfilled as it is meant to be, because the details, technicalities of the timing of reading Megillah has now been changed. They're doing according to that extended time. And as we understand also from the Gemara, remember, this is not... When, when you talk about a halacha that's written in the Torah, Hashem says something that's unchangeable. That's eternal. You can't change any details. But here the Gemara itself says that it was the people of the great assembly. In the days of Esther, Mordechai, in the Mordechai and Esther, where they had enacted that the mitzvah of the reading of Megillah should be, so they, together with instituting the reading of Megillah, they created variant times. So it's not... The Mishnah is saying, Megillah, Nikras. The Megillah is read in its proper time, and that proper time includes a bit of a gamut, a bit of a variety of times, because of the villagers that come in. And that's the way it was made. It wasn't something that had to be, <clears throat> it wasn't something that had to be um, um, amended. L'chatchila, there were other times put into the, into the, so to speak, the constitution of reading the Megillah. This is the Lashon, the expression, Megillah Nikras, the Megillah is read. Not that one may read the Megillah. Megillah is read starting from the 11th, 12th, 13th, because the, reading the Megillah in these days is not just a, an, an opportunity for somebody to fulfill the ability to read the Megillah. In other words, a din 
or permission given in the deed and fulfillment of the mitzvah in terms of the person fulfilling the mitzvah, but it's also a change in the actual chefza. Uh, um, <coughs> it changes the detailed times of reading the Megillah. The Megillah reading times has been changed. Not just permission given to the person, but actually the whole time of reading the Megillah has been adjusted to have alternate, uh, an extended time. Again, in the time of the, when Bnei Yisrael were living in Israel. More than that, the Gemara says that the Anshik Nasagdel, the people of the Great Assembly, when they enacted this, the, the, the holiday of Purim, they themselves hinted in the Megillah that there are other times for the Megillah to be read, as it says, Lekayim to fulfill Isimea Purim, the days of these Purim, Bismaneim in their times, says the Gemara, Zmanim Harbe Tiklalem. There were many times that were instituted regarding being times for reading the Megillah, not just the 14th or 15th. So in other words, what we're saying is that the days of 11, 12, 13 are actually, intrinsically, times of reading the Megillah. Um, not just, sorry, the Rebbe saying, nitnar, not just are they times for reading the Megillah, but they are actually, they are actually a, 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 a accurate times for reading the Megillah. Reading the Megillah in those days, <coughs> you just like reading it when you fit the right circumstances, is like reading it on the 14th or 15th. All of that is included in the times that were in the first place instituted for reading the Megillah. They're not a time, like it's not like a make-up date or other times that have been extended and included. They are actually the times that were made in the first instance. Um, yeah. L'chathchila various times were given based on circumstances. It's, it's not, it's not, it wasn't an afterthought, and it wasn't a, something that we're doing to, to be uh, lenient on the villagers later on, and we're stretching things, we're learning and including, and, and making a drasha. That's the chathchila. Was, was put into mind. According to this, we can understand with what the reading of the Megillah on the 11th, 12th, 13th is different than reading it the entire month. We said, right, that today... If you if you left on a on a what you if you left on a trip you don't won't have a megillah you can read it the entire month, but we also said you can read it from the eleventh. So why is the eleventh, twelfth, or thirteenth have more connection to to the to reading the megillah? So he says like this: the fact is the entire month is okay to read the megillah without the bracha because the Torah says va'achidish. The megillah says that it's the month that was trans that was turned over for them yogin lesimcha from agony to joy. In other words, that the whole month the person has the ability and the obligation to fulfill the mitzvah that really is incumbent upon him in the days of Purim, which are the 14th or 15th. What we're doing is we're saying you have an obligation in the middle of the month to read the Megillah. You can fulfill, without a bracha at least, your obligation anytime during the month if there's not going to be any other opportunity. Whereas what we're saying is, though, that the 11th, 12th, and 13th are, even though we can't do it today with the bracha, but there are days in which reading the Megillah is its proper time. What would be the difference today between whether you're doing it on the 10th of Adar, because you have a, uh, you have a journey without a Megillah starting at the 10th, or whether you're doing it on the 11th, both times without a bracha, so we could say there is a difference. What would be the nafkimin al-halacha? 
if somebody has another obligation to do a mitzvah besides reading the Megillah, and let's say there's another th- obligation he has on the same day before he leaves town, he has two things sitting on him, reading the Megillah, and some other obligation needs to be done today. So which mitzvah is going to take precedence? If, so here's the thing, if it's reading, let's say on the 10th of Adar, before the, before the 11th, 12th, 13th, then you would say that the other mitzvah that needs to be done today takes precedence, because it's a mitzvah that's connected to the actual date, Whereas the mitzvah of reading the Megillah during the month of Adar, because the 10th is still before the 11th, that's not the right time for reading the Megillah. It's a generic mitzvah upon him that really should be fulfilled in its right time, but he's able to fulfill it without choice, at least fulfill it without a bracha during the rest of the month. But that's not a mitzvah that's connected somehow to today. If, however, he's talking about on the 11th, he has a trip on the 11th, he's going to have to read the Megillah without a bracha on the 11th, and he has another mitzvah that has to be done today, so then we have, should say, maybe you should make the Megillah first, because the Megillah is also connected intrinsically to today. The 11th is a time for reading the Megillah. Technically, we can't do it today. But it is one of the appropriate times for reading the Megillah. For him, he's not going to be able to do it on the 14th either. So the 11th and the 14th really is the same in his circumstance where he won't be able to fill it with a bracha. But now he has another mitzvah that's connected to today. It's... That other mitzvah is not more important than the mitzvah of reading the Megillah, which is connected to the actual date of the 11th. So what the Rebbe is teaching us is that, hey, the fact that by reading the Megillah, we find this concept that even the days that are actually not days of reading the Megillah. And yet... Um, in other words, the fact that there can be other days that are not specified in the Pesukah and the Megillah. The, the Megillah speaks openly about 14th and 15th. We went and said that there are other times, 11th, 12th, 13th. Why is that there by the Mitzvah Megillah? We could say the reason is because the holding of the Megillah, both the writing of it, the reading of it, is in, as, in, as in such a way that is different than the writing of all the other books of Nevi'im and Kesuvim. And how much more so than the Chamisha Chumshater, the five books of Meshach? Why? The writing through Meshach Rabbeinu was from its very outset by the instruction of Hashem. And so were all the other books of prophets, the various levels of prophetic revelation from Hashem. The whole book of Esther, the fact that it's added to the holy books is because Esther requested, Kisvuni Ledeiris, write my book, write my saga for generations. And as the Gemara says, the uh, Chachamim of that time had a debate whether or not they should be incorporated within the uh, 24 holy books. And similarly, also regarding the actual Yom Tov of Purim and reading the Megillah, that also came about through the request of Esther. She said, set me into the cycle of celebrations of the holidays of the year for generations. And the Gemara says that there was debate about that. However, after the writing of the Megillus Esther that became a part of the holy writings of our tradition, on the same, on part with all the other books of Ksuvim, the other writings of the Tanakh. And more so, there's even an advantage in the story of Esther that Rambam says, Kol All the words of the prophets and all the writings, our holy writings, will be... Um, not relevant in the times of Mashiach, except for the book of Esther. 
it'll endure and be even after Mashiach comes, just like five books of Mesha, five books of the Torah. Or as the Ravid says, that this actually is a law in, that pertains to the reading of the Megillah. Even, even if the other books will not be read, they'll be there, but they won't be read. The Megillah will still be read publicly. So we see something different about the Megillah. It's written by, by, by Esther. It's in, inserted into the cycle of observance of the holidays by Esther. Ratified, of course, by the Anshek Nesak, the men of the Great Assembly. And in the Megillah, there's various times given to be able to read the Megillah. Now, there's also something else here. How was the Kisvuni, how was the writing of Megillah Sester? In this writing of Megillah Sester, there's no name of Hashem. Different than all the other holy books. It shows on a level of Kedusha that doesn't have the, the, the writing, doesn't have the sanctity of having Hashem's name inside. Now, what's the simple reason why Hashem's name is not in the Megillah? So the Ebenezer says, because it was written in the chronicles of the kings of Persia. They were idolatrous. And what they would have done is insert the name of their idol instead of the name of Hashem. Whoever would have said, Hashem did this, Hashem did that, Hashem made a miracle, they would have replaced that, what we know in Microsoft Word, to be find and replace. Find wherever it says God, and replace it with some idol that they were worshipping at that time. So for the honor of Hashem, Mordechai didn't mention him in the Megillah, so says the Ebenezer. Together with that, though, we know that there's something deeper. Um, the Rebbe here in a footnote sends to Likut HaSichas, Chelek Tes, Chelek Vav, but there the Rebbe has a question on this Pirush of the Ebenezer, because it, it says in the Megillah that the story had already been written in the chronicles of the, of the kings. So Lecha'era by, by Esther and Mordechai writing their version, that wouldn't have replaced the version that was already written, and, and, and so therefore there doesn't seem to be a sufficient answer. But there's a deeper answer, <clears throat> that the fact that the Megillah doesn't mention the holy names, so in the inner reading, in the Pnimius, it's a... It's a remez, it's a hint that its concept, all story of the Megillah, is connected with a level of Hashem that's not graspable by giving it an identification of a name. It's a level which is higher than all the names, even the holy names. More than that, to use the language of Kabbalah, it's a level that cannot be hinted at in any letter or even a crown of a letter at all. It's the level of I am who I am, the essence of Hashem. And this is what the Gemara says. How do we know Esther? Where is the, the name Esther hinted to at the Torah? It says in the Torah, I will surely hide my face. In other words, the hiddenness of the Megillah is hinted to in the Torah where it says, Haster, Aster. What does it say about Haster? I say, I, referring to the essence of Hashem, <coughs> will conceal myself. <coughs> Haster Aster is a reference to Megillah Esther. In other words, the Megillah Esther contains within it <coughs> the level of Hashem that's called Anoichi. And that's why it's too high, it's too deep to be able to give it a name or to be able to appear in the Megillah as the name of Hashem. Even the high name of Yudke Vavke. 
In other words, this concept <coughs> that the name is the holy names don't become mentioned in the Megillah is because they're connected with the essence of Hashem that's higher from the concept of names. According to this, we'll understand why the Mishnah starts off with Yud Aleph. Why does it start off with Yud Aleph? So one second, did we answer? <coughs> Just go back. The Rebbe pointed out that the fact <coughs> that different times were given for the dates of Purim, it fits um, with the fact <coughs> that this was written by Mordechai Nesra, Esther Mordechai. And therefore, there's a difference here <coughs> there's a difference here between um, that's why there were other times written in there <coughs> I'm not sure if I understood this point um, so clearly how the Rebbe explains this okay, now we'll continue on so now we'll understand Zion why the Mishnah starts with the 11th we can read on the 11th why he doesn't go start with the 14th, 15th which is the real times and then go back to 11th Square brackets here, would seem to be that really, even though in truth, the Mishnah is letting us know, as we said earlier, that the 11th, 12th, 13th are really times that are Megillah reading times. But still, nonetheless, they're not exactly like the um, main times, which are 14th or 15th, which that applies to most people. So the Mishnah should have started with the main time as it applies to the majority of people, the 14th, 15th. Why does it start with the 11th? It's only for a minority. So the Rebbe says the reason for that is because the reading of the 11th of Adar, which is the reading for the villagers, is hinting at least in the inner track of Torah to the general content of the Megillah. Oh, let's understand how. The explanation is as follows. The three divisions of the times of reading the Megillah, which is cities, uh, walled cities, sorry, Krachim, walled cities, Ayaris, Gedalis, large cities, and then there's villagers, in spiritual service of serving Hashem, they divide into the following three modes of service of Hashem. To give it at least bekitzah, to give it in, in, in a shortened version. The walled city, the Abed in a walled city, well, if it's walled, it means it's protected from outside influences. It doesn't allow in any oppressor or any enemy. So that means the person who's totally one with Hashem without any real possibility of, of, of doubts or, or, or opposition creeping into him. Then we have a city, which is not walled. The avoida of a, of a settled city is to make a place for Hashem to reside. And that's happening in the city. So in other words, he's not a farmer, so he's not plowing and planting and waiting till something grows out of his field. He just has to take, he's not waiting for the wheat to grow, he's taking finished items, and in those items, either finished flour or maybe even buying bread, in other words, within the assembled things, without having to go back straight from the field to the table, but he has things already coming to his table, then he can make, he makes a, create, a dwelling place for Hashem from within the, that settled uh, from within the city where everything's available, he doesn't have to 
do what the next step is. The village, he has to plow hard, sometimes hard earth. In other words, this is corresponding to dealing with the helem, with the concealment and obscuring of Hashem that world presents in order they should be able to be planting, in order to be able to make the world a godly place. So, ches, if we want to translate this to the worlds, the three worlds post-Atzilos, the world city is like the world of Bria. What takes place there is the Aved of the angels that are called Tzurafim. Tzurafim means fiery angels. The next level is the big city, that's Yetzirah, the world of formation. That's where the Malachim are called Chayos HaKadosh, the holy beasts, are to be found. And then we have Kfar, the third level, the lowest level, which is the village. That represents Elam the world of Di, the world of action. And the Aveda there is of the Malachim that are called Eifanim. Okay? So what's the difference between these three levels in Aveda Hashem? So the Aveda, the service of Hashem of a walled city guy, it means to say that his fully, um, fully present in his brain, in his meditation and contemplation and understanding Hashem, and therefore he has a pleasure in whatever he's doing, he understands godliness, he, 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 he perceives godliness. And that's like the Aveda of the fiery angels, because, because they understand Elikus, those angels that the level where they understand Elikus says, Serafim Aimdim Imaloi, that um, this, the Serafim, the holy uh, fiery angels, stand above the Shekhinah in a certain way. In other words, because they have this yearning desire for godliness and they're burning up, fire goes up, they're burning up to Hashem. And that's because they're fully, when a person is fully aware and perce- perceives Hashem, he just becomes, nothing can disturb him from that. He becomes one with Hashem. There's no other obstructions that can come in to try and fight with him. We li- move one notch down. We're talking about big cities. That comes from Midas. We're talking about having proper emotional state of connection to, to, to Hashem. Ava Hashem, the love Hashem, Yer Hashem, reverence for Hashem. That's connected to the world of formation, where the world of Yitzirah, it says that that's where Ibriya is the place where the Bina of Hashem is, the understanding, level of understanding is there. The world of Yitzirah is the level of emotional qualities. And that's why the angels that are there are called Chayis holy beasts. Animals have the emotive state. <coughs> and they also have Raj Godel, it says that the Chayis the holy beasts, they're, they're serving, they're calling out Hashem with a great noise, because when somebody gets emotionally invested in something or attracted to something, it's, it's noise. It's, it's with toikef and espailos von midas. It's got the strength and the, um, and the excitement of emotion. Then you move one notch down, which is the Aveda of the people in the village. That's in angelic terms. You have the angels that are called Eifanim. This is the world of deed. Because that is the level of haidah, submission. Which means that the hasoga, this means that there's just enough understanding and contemplation in the brain. And there's just enough emotional arousement of the emotional feelings in the heart to Hashem that it's able to bring and to compel the person that there should be submission to Hashem. And that's why the Aveda, if you look at the angels, the Avedas, um, while it says they're making a rash godl, because it says, v'hoifanim v'chayis ha-kedish barash godl. Now, why are they making such a big noise? They don't have enough emotional 
excitement to Hashem. We're saying this is a lower level where the emotional excitement to Hashem is actually just enough to get them to do what they're meant to do. So the great noise here is because of their lowliness. When a, uh, the marshal used in the Gemara is when a villager comes to see the king, he's much more excited than when a city person who gets to see the king's entourage you know, many times, he's less excited. So the excitement here from the Ifan in this level of angel that's in the world of Asiya is from the distance he has from the king, from the furtherness. And as we say again, that the, 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 he's a good Jew, he does whatever he's supposed to do. But the inspiration, it's not, he's not fully vested in contemplation like the world of Bria. He's not even fully excited in the emotional connection to Hashem like Yitzhira. He has enough intellect and emotion to be able to fuel the action. He's going to do what Hashem wants. So even though it sounds like it's a lower state, because you don't get, you don't see the revelation either intellectually or in emotional state of the deep attachment to Hashem. And that's why it can only be a level of submission of actual action, of doing what Hashem wants, but not necessarily with the passion or with the conviction. Nonetheless, the bitl is much more powerful there. They have the suppression aspect, the self-nullification aspect. On the contrary, when they're doing the mitzvah just because of submission, like it is with Eifanim, the world of Asiya, in a certain sense it's deeper, their bitl is deeper than the bitl and the Aveda of the fiery angels. Because don't forget, the fiery angels, they're fully vested in this submission to Hashem. They understand it. And even more than the... <coughs> that's why, certainly more than the, than the emotional, excitable world of Yitzhina, and that's why the, about the Efanim, and what they draw down, it says, Baruch Kveid Hashem Emekayimah, blesses the glory of Hashem from His place. It's more than what the other angels do. They're drawing Hashem down from His superior place, downwards. Why are they, how are they drawing Him down? Because of the, the great advantage and superiority of Bittl which exists at that level. Because they're not as intellectually mo- or emotionally motivated, but there's more the feeling of bitla because Hashem wants them to do it. That's why the Mishnah starts with the reading of the 11th. Because the reading of the 11th is a reading that only villagers can read on the 11th. Because in that, in that reading of the 11th of the villagers, the whole concept of the Megillah is expressed without taking into account that in the external sense, it's a concealment. Well, it's the world of deed. It's a world where this person is not motivated as he would be if there was revelation. But because he's doing it with that submission, there's something of the essence that's there that's higher than revelation. Like what is being drawn down by the bitl, by the subservience of Dafka the Ifanim, the angels of the world of Asiya. <coughs> so if there's some added value and special virtue to the bitl, that's where there is concealment. Test. According to understand the connection to the Shabbos. Right? We said it's, the, the Shabbos is connected to Purim because of its, it's the week that blesses Purim. It's also the 11th in the, in the reading of uh, the Tzav in this year, Tashim Pei Gimel. The 11th, we said that's the first day you can read the Megillah. It's intrinsically connected to Purim. And it's connected also to the Seder. We read the portion of Tzavah. Parsha Tzavah is the only Seder from the time when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, where it doesn't the the, the name of Moshe Rabbeinu is not mentioned till uh, till Mishnah. Uh, 
in Mishnah Torah and Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu, it's, a, it's Moshe Rabbeinu's speech from the beginning of Dvarim. There it doesn't have to say Moshe Rabbeinu's name in every parsha, apparently. As our sages say, why is Moshe Rabbeinu's name omitted in parsha Tetzaveh? Because he said, He was fighting on behalf of the people in the, who had done the, the golden calf. Hashem said, I'm going to wipe out the people of Israel and build a, a new people from you. From you. Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, you have to forgive them, Hashem. And if you're not going to forgive them, wipe me out of the sefer that you wrote. So even though Hashem did forgive them, so there's no reason for him to be wiped out of the sefer, but still, anything that Ed Chacham says has to be some fulfillment. So he was fulfilled in some way, was taken out of the portion of the Tzavah. So in just simple look, it seems, that the fact that he's not mentioned, the name Moshe Rabbeinu is not mentioned in the Tzavah, it's not, that's not a uh, positive thing. However, in other words, he said, my name should be wiped out, and something negative did take place, his name is taken out of this Pasha. However, knowing that even Lahavdil, to separate between people and animals, that even a, a, to speak negatively about an animal that's not kosher, what Taylor didn't want to say, we know, Taylor says, rather than saying the animal that's Tommy, it says the animal that's Leitahoy, that's not Tahoy. So we can understand that if Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned, for sure there has to be something good about it. Hashem didn't just make it happen to the Torah in order to point out something negative. As we can learn from this parish itself, actually. The word of name Moshe is not, is not mentioned, but the whole sedra is called Tetzaveh. Command. Who should command? You should command. So the whole thing is talking about Moshe. You, Moshe, should command to bring, to bring the oil. So he's, he's very much there. So the explanation is, how is I connected to him? The fact is that tzaddikim are like their creator. It's the same way it is, Lamaila is above, that with the holy names of Hashem, they're all connected with levels of revelation. But the essence of Hashem is higher than names. As we said, that's why he's not, Hashem's name is not in the Megillah, because it's too high to have Hashem's name mentioned. Same thing it is with Moshe Rabbeinu. So with this we can understand the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not there in the Parsha is because Parsha's Tetzav is connected to some deeper level of Moshe Rabbeinu that's higher than being able to be described by names. And Dafka, from the place of the essence of Moshe, the Atta, you, which refers to the essence, that's where he can achieve not just Tetzav is B'nai Yisrael, which means instructive B'nai Yisrael, Tetzav also means, from the expression of Tzav, Sabichibra, connection, connect the B'nai Yisrael with Hashem. In other words, who is he trying to connect, by the way? All Yidin, even the ones that made the eagle. Well, the ones that made the golden calf are the ones that he put himself in danger for. He said, wipe me out of the Sefer. But he's able, Moshe Rabbeinu, through the revelation of not his name, but higher than his name, his essence, he's able to do the function of you should connect all the hidden with with Hashem's essence, as explained elsewhere at length. Yud. According to all this, we'll understand the connection between the, what it says the Megillah is read on the 11th and the concept of Parsha Zohar, the remembering of Amalek. Shalosh says, here we're into a little gematria, that the number 11 is like the two last letters of the name of Hashem, Yudke Vavke, because Vav, He, is 11. And so the Megillah can be read from the 11th through the 15th. 15th is like the first two names of the name Hashem, Yudke. And that's why the Mishnah Sats Megillah is read on the 11th, because the wiping out of Amalek, Haman is from the descent of Amalek. And that's what's taking place in the Megillah. Um, Haman is wiped out because he's a descendant of Amalek so that can be read from the 11th what's the 11th? the level of Vavke the last two names last two letters of the name of Hashem Chazal tell us about the name of Hashem that Hashem does uh, uh, wants battle with Amalek because Yod Al Kes Yudke 
there's a, there's a, there, there's a, there's a split, so to speak. There's an incompleteness in the name of Hashem that the, only the Yudke is there. It's separated from the Vavke because of Amalek. Doing the battle with Amalek brings a reunification of Hashem's name, so to speak. So Amalek, in other words, is fighting not to have the Yudke and the Vavke together. The Vavke of the name of Hashem is, is not something he wants. Why? Because the Vavke represents doing. Thought, speed, and action of actuality. That's a Vavke. Yudke represents understanding and feeling. Amalek about Amalek, it says, He knows his creator, but he wants to rebel against him. In other words, he knows intellectually. He even is able to have the right emotions, feeling towards Hashem. That's the Yudke. But Amalek doesn't allow for the Vavke, for the implementation of thinking, speaking, and doing what Hashem wants. And that's why in order the remembrance of Amalek should be the way it's meant to be. In other words, what's the purpose of remembering Amalek? To bring to Mochei Timcha Amalek, you shall shortly wipe out the remembrance of Amalek. We need to have the Aveda of Yud Aleph of Vavke, which is the true Aveda of doing Teda Mitzvahs, you know, with, with, a, with your voice, speech, with deed. This Aveda is only when there's a proper Kabbalah, acceptance of the yoke of Hashem, submission, and bittle, subservience, self-nullification, just like the Aveda of the villagers. Remember we said the Aveda of the villagers is they have to plow and break down the obscuring of Hashem in the world with bittle. They don't have enough uh, motivation to do it out of uh, love, a f- full expression of emotion or intellectual conviction. They do what they have to do. But that's exactly what we need. We need the implementation here. With Amalek, he's fine with the, with the conviction and the, and, and the emotional feeling. He doesn't want the, the actual implementation to take place. The B'nai Akfarim, they, they symbolize implementation even when you don't have as much conviction or feeling. And through that, you're able to go from Yudalev, which is the concept of the Megillah, you go to the wiping out Amalek, wiping out the stranglehold Amalek has to cut off the inspiration from the actual implementation. And through that you come to the level called the level of Tesvav, level 15. The Yudke, the first letter of the name of Hashem. The Aveda of Meichin, the Aveda of the intellectual conviction, conviction which is there in the people of the walled cities. And then it becomes, the name of Hashem becomes connected. And now you can do as the continuation of the mission, you can go in order. That the walled cities read on the 15, that's Yudke. And then... The last, the last opportunity for reading, the last possibility of reading the Megillah is in the scenario where it's read on the 11th. So that's the Vavke. So we're going Yudke 15, and then we're going Vavke. And then there becomes the complete Adnus, the complete lordship of Hashem in the world, because if you take Yud Aleph, Yud Beis, Yud Gimel, Yud Dalet, Tesvav, add those numbers, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, to each other, you get the same gematria as the word Adnai. Is also from the Shalom. This will means that there will be in a revealed way the coming of Mashiach. That, that's, that's when the Adnus, the Lordship of Hashem of the world will be. Then there'll be the, the completion of the battle with Amalek from generation to generation, which means it's going to be finished in the generation of the Mashiach's coming. Why is Mashiach going to fix it? Because as Ramam says, Mashiach's job will be to battle the battle of Hashem and be victorious. Speedily in our days. Amen. Can you hear that, sir?